We're going to be in Leviticus. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus as we continue verse by verse through the Old Testament. So Leviticus chapter 13. So next week, uh, we are going to have a special Thanksgiving Wednesday night service, night of prayer uh, in worship. So we invite you out uh, to be able to worship the Lord together, uh, enter into the holiday, uh, thanking God for, for who he is. So Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to learn in your word, to see this Old Testament picture of you cleansing us from our sin. We thank you that you don't leave us in our sin, that you love us enough to die for us, to, to cleanse us, to forgive us. That you love us while we were yet sinners. So we're lepers in need of a touch from you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Old Testament, we have pictures of New Testament principles. And what we see in the New Testament is Jesus healing lepers. And here in the Old Testament, in these two chapters, there is going to be ceremonial cleansing for lepers. If they were healed, then they would have to come to the priests, and the priests would have to inspect them. Leprosy is a picture of our sin. How so? Because leprosy starts underneath the skin. You can't see it. And that's the way sin is in our lives. It, it starts underneath. It starts in the heart. Somebody else may not see it, but we see it. God sees it, and it festers, and leprosy would then take over the, the whole body. Leprosy, leprosy destroys sensitivity. Eventually, the nerves on your fingers, you wouldn't be able to feel, and that's why a lot of times lepers would, would touch something hot and burn their fingers off. So leprosy destroys sensitivity, and so does sin. If we stay in a sin long enough, we get calloused. We develop a hard heart towards the Lord. Leprosy outside of the Lord's touch is incurable. There was no way to be cured from leprosy. And sin, apart from Christ, is incurable. We don't have an answer or a solution for our sin to, to overcome sin. Also, leprosy caused separation. Leprosy would cause you to not be able to live with your family, to be outside of the camp of Israel. And sin isolates us. When sin bears fruit in our lives, it destroys relationships and it isolates us. I want to start with Jesus having a leper come to him in the Gospels. This is in Matthew chapter 8. It says, When he had come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. He understood that Jesus could cleanse him from his leprosy. Where did this leper come from? He came from isolation. He came from the leper colony. He took a step of faith. He risked humiliation. A large crowd is following Jesus. He cries out in a loud voice to get Jesus' attention. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You have the ability to, to make me clean. And I love what Jesus does. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Christ also took a risk here by touching this man's leprosy, putting himself at risk of getting leprosy. 
this highly contagious skin disease. Jesus isn't grossed out by the leper. How long had it been since the leper had felt the touch of someone else? And we're created by God to have human touch, to have human interaction. We're realizing that more than ever amidst this COVID virus, and Jesus touched him. And we think of our sin like leprosy. It's gross to us, it's gross to others. Many times when people are exposed to our sin, they don't want anything to do with us. But Jesus and his love for us, he, he touches that broken area of our lives. He, he touches that area of, of leprosy. And Jesus says, I'm willing. I want to cleanse you from your leprosy. And Jesus is willing. He paid the price so that we would be cleansed from our sin. He paid the price on the cross so that the power of sin would be broken in our lives. Is there some sin that we're wrestling with tonight that we're trying to hide, but Jesus is saying, let me touch that broken area of your life. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. His skin, the skin disease was cured. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus says, I want you to go fulfill Leviticus 13 and 14, what we're gonna read tonight. I want the priest to be able to inspect you offer the sacrifices of your cleansing, and it's going to be a testimony to the priests. It's priestly training time. It's the time of Aaron where they've got to learn how to do their job. They're studying the, the law, looking at Leviticus 13 and 14, but they really didn't have to practice having a leper be cleansed and be brought back into the community. I'm sure they inspected a lot of lepers and said, you're unclean. You've got to go outside of the camp. But to, as a priest, experience someone who had been cleansed of leprosy, it would be a testimony to them. What's interesting about these two chapters is the only way that they're ever going to have to fulfill these two chapters is if something supernatural happens. Because there's no cure for leprosy. God's going to supernaturally heal someone for them to inspect them and say, look, you had leprosy, but now you're cleansed. So let's jump into this in verse 1 of chapter 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests. So when there's this swelling, when there's this scab, when there's this bright spot. And sin really is that uprising of the flesh, isn't it? That uprising of the, the sinful nature. They were to be brought and expected by Aaron and one of the priests. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. So in this idea of leprosy being a picture of sin, we really need our high priest Jesus to inspect our sin, to examine our sin. If I alone am evaluating my sin, I'm going to come up with the wrong conclusion. I'm not going to see it clearly. But when Jesus is given permission to search me and know me and lovingly be able to point out my sin— He's going to see it for what he really is, 
Plus, he's got the solution for my sin. He's got the, the answer for, for my sin. Verse four, but if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one whom has the sore seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was and the sore was not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. Seven plus seven, 14 days. Sound pretty familiar? 14-day quarantine. So God came up with it first in Leviticus 13. So if you thought you had this leprous sore, how unnerving that would be. You'd have to go to the priest and say, hey, something's wrong here. He would inspect it and say, okay, you need to go quarantine for seven days. Come back, let me take a look at it. Looks good. We're going to go ahead and quarantine you for another seven days so this leprosy doesn't spread to the community throughout the nation of Israel. Verse 6, Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab should be all spread over the skin after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprous. When the leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white and has turned the hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling. It is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall not isolate him for he is unclean. Priest evaluating and making this determination if he's clean or he's unclean, determining whether he can be in the camp of Israel or not. Verse 12 and if the leprosy breaks out all over the skin and the leprosy covers all of the skin of the one who has the sore from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider. And indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean. Who has the sore? It has turned white. He is clean. So if, if the sore turns white, apparently it's not leprosy and he's clean. The problem is if you see raw flesh, but when the raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean, for the raw flesh is unclean, it is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white, again, he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Who has the sore, he is clean. Jesus is our high priest, and when he says we're clean, we're clean. When Christ declares it is finished, when we confess our sin to him, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, his declaration, you're forgiven, you're in Christ. We're going to study this weekend in 2 Corinthians that he being Jesus knew no sin, but became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. He paid the price for our sin. So we trust that declaration. We trust that we're forgiven by the Lord, not based on our feelings. But also, if Jesus declares us unclean, 
He has the final word. In the book of Revelation, we see the great white throne judgment to those that have rejected Christ, who have not trusted Christ, have not seen Jesus to be the answer for their sin. They'll stand before the Lord and Jesus will cast them into hell, cast them into to the lake of fire. Because if we don't receive the grace and the forgiveness of God for our sins, then ultimately we're, we're lost or we're unclean for, for all of eternity. So, so Christ is the ultimate high priest that declares us clean or unclean if we reject Christ as our Savior through the course of our life. So verse 18 through 46 is continued inspection. The priest continues to inspect different scenarios that have to do with leprosy. And then in verse 47, we see the inspection of clothes or of, of garments. If there was thought to be leprosy, then also the clothes had to be inspected. And if there was anything found on the clothes, then the clothes had to be burned. So that's verse 47 through verse 49. And we're going to jump into chapter 14. So chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priests. So chapter 13 was identifying if someone has leprosy. But chapter 14 is the supernatural. Chapter 14 is someone's been cleansed of their leprosy. There's many places in Scripture where God heals the leper. You may remember with the general, the Syrian general that came to see Elijah. And he was instructed to bathe seven times, to dip himself into the Jordan seven times, and he didn't want to do it. Naaman. It's like, no, I'm not going to humble myself to get into the Jordan River. We have better rivers back home. And the servant wisely said, if he'd asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. Why not do something that's simple? And that's the case many times, isn't it? Do the simple thing that God has asked you to do. And he dipped in the Jordan seven times and he was cleansed of, of his leprosy. But we don't see someone getting over leprosy apart from what the Lord was doing in his work in their lives. Several years ago, I, I read a book about a colony in Hawaii of lepers that continued much into recent times and what their life was like. And it was just a, a terrible existence as they were isolated there on an island in, in Hawaii. So imagine for a leper who had been cleansed by the Lord, for those in the Gospels that had been cleansed by, by Christ. And in the same way, when a sinner comes to know Jesus as their Savior and is cleansed from their sin, it's a big deal. Remember when the weight of your sin was lifted off of your shoulders and you knew you were forgiven? All your sin of the past and the present and the future, there's really nothing that can compare to knowing that your sins are forgiven. You can't put a price tag on it. If you don't know that, if you have the weight of sin on you and you're not sure where you stand with Christ, trust Christ for salvation. Re repent of sin and believe that he died for you and rose again and his grace and his forgiveness will come into your life and, and lift that weight of sin off of you. Jesus was teaching in a home and the home was packed. Some friends bring their paralyzed friend on a stretcher. 
There's no way to get in through the door, so they decide to rip open the roof, and they drop down their friend in front of Christ. And Jesus said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. We would think the greatest need of this man was to be able to walk. He's paralyzed. He's, he's on a stretcher. He's left to begging. He's not able to, to work. There's no systems put in place to t- take care of him. And God looks at him and says, no, your greatest need is for you to be forgiven. Many times we're looking for a miracle in our lives, some type of physical miracle like a healing from a disease. If you know Christ is your Savior, you've experienced the greatest miracle, and that's the forgiveness of your sins. Amen? That's the regeneration of, of your soul. Your body could get fixed, but if you don't have forgiveness of sin, you don't have eternal life, and you're still walking around with that guilt and that weight of sin. So for us, when we're cleansed of our sins, similar as a leper would be cleansed from leprosy. In verse three, and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall examine him and if deed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper. So he's inspecting and seeing, is this leper really cleansed? This is what the priest would have done for the, ma- the man in Matthew eight. Then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed, two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in the earthen vessel over running water. Everything in the word is specific for a reason. So why these two birds with one bird killed and the other one is living and dipped in the the blood of the, the dead bird? Why the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop The cedar wood pointing to the wood of the cross of Calvary, where Jesus would be the sacrifice for our sins. Scarlet, of course, pointing to the blood of Jesus that was sacrificed for us. Rahab in Jericho was instructed to put out a a scarlet rope to identify that she was friends of the spies and walking in obedience. And that scarlet rope is ultimately pointing to to Christ and what he has done for us. Hyssop is interesting. Hyssop is a bush, a plant that was used by the children of Israel when they would dip into blood to put on their doorposts at, at Passover. Jesus, when he was crucified, they took hyssop, this plant, and they connected it to the sponge of sour wine to lift up to to Christ's mouth. Hyssop speaks of purification. In the Psalms, David prays, cleanse me with your hyssop. It's it's the purification that God brings to us. The running water, it was to be a, a vessel over running water. Water points to the word, the word of God, the water of, of the word. So what happens with the living bird? As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood, the scarlet, and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. So the bird that lives, the implication is, is able to live because of the sacrifice of the other bird. Jesus was sacrificed for us, and so we're dipped into the blood of Jesus, and we're able to then enjoy the freedom of being in Christ, the freedom of 
knowing the power of the, the blood of Jesus. The blood would be sprinkled uh, seven times upon the leper. It's a really beautiful pow- picture of what Christ has done for us on, on the cross. Ultimately, our sins being cleansed. Verse 8, He is to be cleansed, shall wash his clothes, shave off all of his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. We read this, and it's hard for us to emotionally connect with what's going on, but this leper, no doubt, has experienced all kinds of deformity from leprosy. Maybe even lost a finger, all kinds of gnarliness and nastiness, and now all of a sudden his skin is cleansed. God's done a miracle. And imagine he's shaving all of his hair, she's shaving, and realizing, man, I've been cleansed by the Lord. God has done a miracle. I no longer have leprosy. So after the shaving and the washing, then it was stay outside of his tent. They're in the camp, but stay outside the tent for seven days. But on the seventh day, seventh day represents the day of completion, he shall shave off all the hair of his head and the beard and his eyebrows even. All his hair he shall shave off, he shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water and shall be clean. And the eighth day, the day of new beginning, he shall take two lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean. And those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Catch this. Here's the priest after going through all this. It's like, this dude right here, he's clean. This lady right here, she's a leper, she's clean. Reintroduced into fellowship inside of the community of Israel. Picture Jesus, we're the leper, deeply flawed with sin, cannot provide for our own forgiveness, cannot transform or change ourselves. Jesus is our high priest who is also the sacrifice. And he's like, boom, this is my son. Boom, this is my daughter. They're clean. Jude 24 tells us that Jesus is going to present us faultless before the Father. We're going to be before the Father, and I'm sure going to feel the weight of our sin, but Jesus is like, nope, I'm their advocate. They're robed in my righteousness. All of their sin is forgiven. They're justified, declared righteous. All of our sin has been removed from us, placed upon Jesus. Jesus took the wrath for us. That's incredible, isn't it? Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. What a wonderful moment that that's going to be to be able to stand in Christ's righteousness before the Father. But it's the high priest's doing It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world that's able to present us cleansed before the Father. As believers, sometimes we walk in condemnation, don't we? There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We believe it up here that we're cleansed of our sin, but we walk in that guilt and that shame and that condemnation. We're not fully convinced that we're forgiven by the Lord. And for us to allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us tonight, to minister to to our hearts, 
that we really are cleansed, that we really are washed. We're no longer lepers, but we're forgiven by the Lord. In verse 12, and the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as the wave offering before the Lord. It's a celebration of the cleansing that God has done. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. The sin offering is recognizing the sin nature. The trespass offering is the specific sins. So it's not that because of sin, this person became a leper, but God has cleansed them from leprosy. God wants them to look a little bit deeper and go, is there sin to be dealt with in your life? So as they're cleansed of leprosy, they would also make a sacrifice for sin, sin nature, but also trespass any specific sins that they've done. Then blood would be placed upon the right ear and the right thumb, the right toe, symbolizing that their life belonged to the Lord. When we're cleansed by the Lord from our sin, from our leprosy, our lives should be marked with the blood of Jesus. Our ear should be marked by the blood of the lamb, that our ear belongs to the Lord. Our hands belong to the Lord. Our feet belong to the Lord. We want to be a living sacrifice out of appreciation for what Christ has done. Now check out what happens next because it's a really powerful picture is after the blood is placed on the cleansed leper, then oil is placed. And oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And after God cleanses us from sin, he pours his Holy Spirit upon us. In verse 15, and the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. The priest shall dip his right finger into the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on the blood of the trespass offering. Always have to know, encounter, believe, and receive the blood of Jesus Christ before we can receive the anointing of the Spirit. In the book of Acts with the disciples, it wasn't until Christ died and rose again and ascended to the Father that they received the power of the Holy Spirit. They received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what God has given to us. He's given the Holy Spirit to us. He desires for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon our lives. We can receive the Spirit because Jesus has cleansed us of our sins. We can now be the temple of, of the Holy Spirit. So blood first, then the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hands, she shall put on the head of him who is cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. So the rest of the oil, after it's been placed on the ear, the thumb, and the toe, is placed upon the cleansed leper's head. There's only four groups in the Old Testament that were anointed with oil, and it was a big deal. 
the priests, the prophets, the kings, and the lepers. <laughs> Doesn't seem like the lepers fit with the first three. With kings, with priests, with prophets. These outcasts, those that had been unclean. Now they're clean, and the Father says, here is the anointing that I am placing on them. But this represents the heart of God. God loves lepers. He loves sinners to the point where he sent his son to, to die for us, to pay that price for, for our sin. He loves to cleanse us. He loves to bring us into right relationship with him. Isn't this a great place for us to be? I am a sinner who's saved by grace that's now received the anointing of the Spirit. What a work that Christ has, has done in our lives. Him loving, restoring, broken sinners. In verse 19, the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. Verse 20, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. The burnt offering was the voluntary offering that was completely consumed on the altar. Burnt represents worship and total surrender to God. The grain offering is the offering up of, of daily work. You work to grow grain. You work to be able to buy grain. So you offer that grain unto the Lord. It's surrendering that daily part of our lives to the Lord and the fruit that comes from working hard every day unto the Lord. As this leper is cleansed, it's really the restoration of the whole person and making sure that worship has the proper place in their life. In verse 21, but if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one lamb as a trespass offering to be waived to make atonement for him. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as grain offering, a log of oil. And the Lamb of God for us is, is more than sufficient. So verse 22 to verse 32 is the requirements for the poor in their offering if they had been cleansed. They could do two turtle doves or also bring flour, but the procedure was the same. So we'll summarize that from verse 22 to verse uh, 32. And then in verse 33 comes to inspecting the house. So you have a cleansed leper. They are clean, but now going to the home to examine the home or a report that there could possibly be leprosy on a garment inside of someone's house. So let's look at verse 33. You guys doing okay? Anybody starting to itch a little bit through this? Like, man, I didn't really notice that before. So 14-day quarantine for you. So, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, I put the leprosy, plague in a house in the land of your possession. And he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, it seems to me that there is some plague in the house. The priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, and all that's in the house may not be made unclean, and afterward the priest shall go in to examine the house. So the homeowner's like, we think we've got the plague. We think we've got leprosy here. 
So the priest has to go examine it. And he shall examine the plague. And indeed, if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. So, okay, there's this greenish ingrained streaks, reddish streaks. So the priest says, okay, we're gonna close up this house for seven days. And the priest shall come in again on the seventh day and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. So now it's grown. So if it's on a particular stone, then you take out that stone and get it outside the camp to an unclean place. In verse 42, then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he has taken away the stones, after he's scraped the house and after it's plastered, then the priest shall come and look and indeed if the plague has spread in the house, it is active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. And they shall break down the house, its stones, its timber and the plaster of the house. He shall carry them outside of the city to an unclean place. Moreover, he who goes into the house at all while it is shut up shall be unclean until evening, and he who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and he who eats in the house shall wash his clothes. Is there an application for us in this? If leprosy is a picture of of sin? I think so. Is not only do we want our high priest to examine our lives for sin, to expose sin, not for condemnation, but sin brings destruction in our lives. So Lord, go ahead and reveal it. But on a practical sense, to allow our high priest to inspect our homes. Practically, are there things in my home that are leading me to sin? When I see this, I'm tempted, and it ends up getting the best of me, so I fall into sin. And it may be different for all of us, but to really allow the Lord to come and to make himself at home, in our homes, and is there something that needs to go? Something that doesn't glorify the Lord, something that doesn't honor the Lord. Verse 48, but if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, Then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. Then he shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the living bird and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in running water and sprinkle the house seven times. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the living bird and the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet. Then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city and the opened field and make atonement for the house and it shall be clean. This is the law for any leprosy, leprous sore and scale, for the leprous of a garment and of a house, for the swelling and a scab and a bright spot to teach 
when it is unclean and when it is clean, this is the law of leprosy. The high priest inspecting the home to say, I'm at home in this home. What if the high priest Jesus came into our home? Would he be at home? And more importantly, when he is in our hearts, is he at home in our hearts? Does he find himself at a place where he's like, I can fellowship here? And if the answer is no, then allow the Lord to cleanse the home. Allow the Lord to cleanse our hearts. Turn with me to one more section of scripture, Luke 17. Luke 17, verse 11, where Jesus encounters 10 lepers. Luke 17, verse 11. Now, it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. I love how so many times in the Gospels, life change, ministry, transformation, Jesus pouring himself out happens as he's traveling, as he's going through his day. Now, it so happened. The way this reads is it's like, you're on your way to Costco, and it so happened. You're, you're on your way to Denver, and it so happened. You're filling up gas at, at the come and go, and it so happened. G- Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he travels through Samaria, and he travels through Galilee. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. What was the conversation with these ten guys? no doubt joined together in a leper colony where they're isolated away from their families, away from the community. And one of them says, I hear Jesus is coming through. Our Jesus is in our village. I've heard about all these miracles that he's done. He's even healed lepers. Maybe he would heal us. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'm in. Maybe the ninth and tenth guy were kind of reluctant, like, well, I guess I'll go. Maybe there was more lepers that are like, this is nonsense. I'm not getting my hopes up for a healing. I'm not going to humiliate myself. You see them being respectful. They're social distancing. It's literally here in the text. They're crying from afar. They can't get close to anybody. They, they can't get close to, to Jesus either. And they lift up their voice in unison. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Gang, that's us. We're the lepers with our sin. Our sin is incurable. It's destroying us. Going to separate us from God from all of eternity. Sin is hideous. The wages of sin is death. And we cry out from a distance, Jesus, have mercy upon me. I don't deserve for you to heal me, but would you be merciful to me? So when he saw them, Pause and think about that. Jesus, Jesus saw them. How many people didn't see the leper? Didn't care for the leper? Didn't consider the plight of the leper? Jesus may have paused for a bit and just kind of took them in. Took all 10 of them in. I'm picturing him smiling at them. He knows what he's about, about to do, but, but he saw them. He sees us. And he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. That's all he says. 
I want you to go through Leviticus 13 and 14. You need to allow the priest to examine you then offer the sacrifices that were, were given in the law. What was their response? Did they talk about it? Did they think it over? Did they think it was foolishness? But they decided to do it. They decided to take Jesus at his word. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. As they're walking to the priests, they're healed. Did it happen instantaneously? Did it happen over a few moments or or minutes? They look over and go, Fred, you got your nose back, man. Like, woo! Like, looking at their hands and, and they were cleansed. As they trusted the word of God and walked in obedience to the word of God, they're cleansed. As we trust the promise of God, when we repent and believe the gospel, the good news, inviting Jesus to be our Lord, our master, he forgives us of our sins. We we trust that, we believe that, then we're cleansed of, of, of our sins. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. So he comes back to Jesus and he is pumped out of his mind, just stoked. And with a loud voice, he just begins to glorify God, thanking God, Jesus, you healed me. Thank you so much, you healed me. You, you gave me my life back. I'm so thankful to you that you, you healed me. And we're challenged that with the cleansing that Jesus has done in our lives, do we glorify him for it? with passion and excitement. Are we so enthusiastic to Jesus tonight where we're like, ah, I'm the leper, you cleansed me, you, you forgive me, and I wanna tell you thank you. And I want everybody to know that you have cleansed me. If you haven't received Christ as your savior, are you, are you ready for him to wash you of your sins and then glorify him for that? And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. So he's sucking the dirt. He's down on his face before Jesus, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. It seems to imply that not all of them were Samaritans, that they were linked together, not by their ethnicity, but by their leprosy. That some of the Israelites that should have known better to give thanks to God didn't care to come back and glorify the Lord and say thank you. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Jesus expected to hear from all 10. He expected all 10 to come back. Me, thank you so, so much for cleansing me of my leprosy. Where's the other nine? Are we that one leper who is thankful? Or are we like the other nine where we don't really stop in gratitude to thank Jesus that he's cleansed us from our sins. The disciples go out on their first short-term missions trip and they come back and they're geeked out. They're like, we've seen miracles, we've seen demons cast out, it was just a phenomenal time. And Jesus really doesn't enter into all that. He says, be careful, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning Don't rejoice in all these things that you've seen, but rejoice in the fact that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Why do you think Jesus told him that? 
Because there was going to be days in the life of the disciples where they didn't see those things. And there would be times in their lives where they would actually be persecuted for being a follower of Christ. But there wouldn't be one day of their life where their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, where they didn't have forgiveness. Where do we find our source of joy? As we go into Thanksgiving, there can be a long list of the things that we're, we're grateful for. But the top of the list should be, I'm a wretched sinner that's saved by grace. <laughs> I'm cleansed from my leprosy, from my sin, and my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. COVID could not touch that. The economy could not touch that. No trial or difficulty or elected leader could touch that. I'm forgiven. I want to glorify the Lord. And this leper comes back in this one moment of time, but this can be continual living for us. Jesus, you've forgiven me of my sins. You've cleansed me, and I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful. I'm gonna be part of the 10%. I'm gonna be that one leper who comes back and thanks the Lord. In verse 18, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, except for this Samaritan, this non-Israelite? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. (laughs) This leper got it. This leper understood it. He got the blessing of having his leprosy cleansed, but also the blessing of living in gratitude before the Lord. Two applications. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, get saved tonight. What are you waiting for? You don't have to go one more night to bed with the guilt and the condemnation and the the weight of sin. Why is it so important to trust Christ as your Savior? Because if you reject Christ as your Savior, you have to stand before a holy God on your own performance, on your own merit. And ultimately, that's going to result in receiving God's just judgment. But Jesus took the judgment. He took the payment on the cross. So turn from sin and believe, Jesus, you died for me. You paid the price for me, and you rose again, and I'm receiving your grace and forgiveness. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And as we come to communion, we'll be available here on the sides to pray with you, to receive Christ as your Savior. At home, we're available through the chats and the comments. Please let us know I'd like to receive Christ as my Savior. But know what you can also do right where you're at? You can cry out to Jesus, Jesus, save me. (laughs) I know that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. I believe you died for me and rose again. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You can do that right where you're seated, whether at home or here in these blue chairs. The other application, if you know Christ as your Savior, you trust the gospel, you know that you're robed in Christ's righteousness, be thankful with all get out. Let's come and take communion tonight, rejoicing that we're lepers saved by God's grace and pour out our thanksgiving on the Lord. And do it with a loud voice. Jesus, thank you so much for forgiving me. And this week, take the opportunity when someone asks you, what are you thankful for? When you ask them, what are you thankful for? You know what I'm thankful for the most? Is that God has forgiven my sin. The sin of my past, the sin of my present. We've got sin that we've contributed today, this week, that Jesus forgives us of. The sin that we'll commit in the future. And we're gonna be a forgiven people that get to enjoy 
our crucified risen Savior for all of eternity. Let's pray together. Jesus, we do say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are the answer for our sins. Thank you that you would love us while we were still sinners. That you paid the price for our sin to cleanse us from our sin. And we celebrate that and we thank you for that tonight. We thank you that our name is written in heaven. For those that don't know you, Father, would you show your love to them, show them their need for for Jesus. May they turn to you and, and trust you for salvation.